Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here, of course, and then we have another special guest on. He is the site expert of Rip City Projects, and his name is Stevie Cousins. Of course, Rip City Projects, for those that don't follow Fansighted, is a part of Fansighted to cover the Portland Trailblazers. So, Stevie, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you on, man. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm excited to be here, boys. Chat some um, sixes and blazers from two different point of views. So, I appreciate you guys getting me on, and um, yeah, I'm just hyped to, to chat some hoops. Yeah, we're really excited to have you on, and we're just going to jump right in with some talk. We're, we're going to stick to the Sixers a little bit here at the beginning. Um, we're going to talk about a video that's been going around Twitter. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Stevie, but I have a feeling it's kind of gone beyond Philly at this point. There is a television network reporting live on air, the local, like the local Fox News station, but they were basically reporting on something completely unrelated to Philly. And then the anchor said, hold on, we have live footage of Ben hurrying out of the city. And they smash cut to a dumpster going down a river in a flood. Uh, what? Yeah, not not in this, my opinion, maybe the most professional thing to do for a new station. But uh, what, what do we think of that? What do we make of something like that? Obviously, Philly fans have been taking a bit of heat lately, uh, fair or unfair for their treatment of Ben. But what what were your thoughts on that, guys? <laughs> I think that's I think like I I saw some tweets and memes and that sort of stuff, but I think that's pretty poor taste. Um, and I I feel that the narrative around Ben, like I saw a uh, Basketball Forever, I think is the is the page yesterday, and it it was comparing um, Ben Simmons to guys like Jaleel Okafor, uh, Nerlens Noel, um, you know, I, I like a lot of the of the lottery picks that didn't you know work out um, from the Sixers last ten years and. I just think it's really disrespectful for a guy that, you know, he's made All-NBA. Um, he's been two times first All-Defensive. Um, first time, first All-Defense, he's done that twice. Three-time All-Star. Um, you know, he's a 
regardless, even if you think that he had a terrible playoffs, he's still a top 30 player in the league. And I think it's really disrespectful. And, and I just don't, I just don't see how trying to run a guy out of town is actually going to increase his trade value. And at the end of the day, even if you want him off the team, you should want to get back the best uh, trade package back in that. And so by trashing the guy, you're not doing that. So I think it's, I think that's poor form. I mean, it is poor form. And like Chris said, it probably isn't something a news station should do. Like if a comedian did it, like say Kevin Hart, okay, we probably would have a little bit of a laugh. I mean, even I had a little bit of laugh when I saw the video without the context of the news station. But I mean, it is in poor taste, but I don't think it's going to hurt his trade value overall because teams know what they want from Ben. This is just a city who's who's fed up with, and I'm I'm sure I know for a fact Uriah, because, you know, he lives close by to the city and he is displeasure you know voice his displeasure with ben in the past i mean and you know that's before the fan base as a whole turned on him i mean this fan base has been very supportive of ben up to this point that that playoff series against the hawks changed everybody's perception of ben because it showed somebody that was scared so stevie i saw it and it's fox 29 and of course, I laughed at first because I did too. It, 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 we just went through a tornado, and that's why I didn't make the last podcast. Yes. I was in the basement, like with my wife and my dog, praying to God that this thing doesn't rip through us, our house. But anyway, so I saw it the next day or the day after. Everything's flooded in Philly, and I saw it, and I cracked up the first two times, and then I saw it again, <laughs> and I thought about how it it hits a bridge before it it just goes down in this flood it hits a bridge very violently and it's just like, eh, maybe there's some violence you could kind of interpret in there. That's not that great. So I, I think it's distasteful as much as I've been uh, criticizing Ben over the past couple of years. I, I do agree with you guys. It's distasteful. Yeah. And didn't the anchor who was narrating it say like he hit his head on the way out or something? Like, I'm pretty sure that, guy mentioned that did he i didn't i didn't i didn't hear that part don't quote me on that i could be wrong but i i feel like i heard that i mean you could it could have i don't remember one way or another to be honest with you. either way it's it's not the best taste especially coming from a professional setting like that if it was a comedian or a random tiktoker i don't think any of us would be nearly as out you know not outraged but as leaving a bad taste in our mouth i will say this much before you guys move on he does not help his case when he keeps posting stuff of him in la and living his best life it he just needs to just go away hibernate in your 15 million dollar home or whatever uh yeah i i don't know i know me and you you and i probably don't agree on that that front you have but uh <laughs> i'm like switzerland i'm neutral on that yeah <laughs> I, I really don't care what Ben posts on instagram at this point you know it's separate from basketball but Let's talk about the financial stakes for Ben if he does sit out. Um, The Jump posted the numbers earlier. Um, A player who fails to render services can be fined up to one 145th of his base salary for every day missed. That means Simmons could forfeit roughly $227,000 for every practice and game he misses if enforced by the Sixers. I believe I saw that if he skips training camp, that's like a hundred or pardon me, 1.3 million. Out no, of that's pocket. just one week of training camp, Chris. That's just yeah. one week. That, so, that's not, yeah, that's not the whole training camp. Uh, but yeah. And also that same report said that Ben is ready to endure that repercussion. If it comes to that, 
but what do we think about that? Do we think Simmons is so fed up with Philly that if this drags into the season and the Sixers do decide, hey, we're going to fine you for every game you miss, that he'd be okay with that? That he'd be willing to potentially risk millions of dollars? Or do we think he's bluffing? What What are our thoughts on that? I Honestly, I, I don't think he's bluffing. I feel that Clutch and regardless if you – this is a Clutch and Rich Paul – Regardless if you like, dislike, disagree with the way that Clutch go about things, they understand leverage. They understand the game. They just got le- they just signed Zach Levine in the last month or two because Zach Levine has a max contract offer coming in the next year. People go and sign with Clutch so they can go and get paid. And like if, if it was a blinking contest or a steering contest, Clutch is gonna win. There's no there's no situation here where uh, where I think Philly can win because, like, Daryl Morey is a, is a great GM in my eyes. And people might, you know, Rockets fans might disagree. But at the end of the day, the way he built that team, um, the trade that he made orig- originally to bring James Harden in, this is a guy that's a master GM. But if the leverage falls so far that it goes to a Jimmy Butler level where Jimmy Butler in the end had to be traded for Robert Covington and Dario Saric when you know he was a, you know that you've seen, you know, Drew Holiday got four first round picks in young players when he's a probably a similar level player or lower. So I feel that they're definitely not bluffing. Like him and his camp aren't bluffing. And if Philly wants to play that game and try and take it all the way into the season and then basically turn down offers that they would originally have taken, but then have to go back to those people, to those teams after, and then say, hey, we'll take that offer now. And they'll say, hold on you're coming to us, meaning there's actually less leverage now because you turned us down earlier. We know you need to make a deal because if you don't, you're a contending playoff team with a player that isn't playing. Philly can't play that game. Hey guys, as summer is almost over, the weather's getting cooler, but you still have to handle your trimming needs. Let me remind you that Manscaped can easily handle this for you. Grooming gets easier and safer with the Lawn Mower 4.0 and Weed Whacker. The Lawn Mower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and is even waterproof. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs. Trim upstairs or downstairs using Manscaped products today. And get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I don't think that he's bluffing. I think he's being dead serious. I suspected this during the summer. I don't know if you guys remember me saying that this was a possibility, but I I definitely wrote about it and I said it on the podcast here. And I mean, we go back to summer league. Even Kendrick Perkins called this. If Kendrick Perkins is getting stuff right, we're in trouble here, guys. We're in trouble. And I mean, not to bash on Kendrick Perkins. He's a great TV personality, but not a great source usually. Eh. Okay, I, I like him on TV, Chris. Okay, you might not like him, but I like him anyway. Um, but I mean, 1.3 million per week. 
I, I think this becomes more like a James Harden situation where he he sits out the first like couple days to a week and then he comes in. I don't think he's going to come in out of shape, but I think he could come in and be a malcontent for sure. And I don't think it would be good for the development or the uh, Tyrese Maxey's development overall because we're going to be relying on him until they make a trade for you know possibly a point guard, possibly something else. It depends on what how good Maxey comes into the season, which I'm which I'm pretty high on. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with both of you. Um, I, I think there's a strong possibility just for like the purposes of maintaining relationships with agents and players that they decide just not to find him, to let him sit out mm-hmm. if it comes to that. like It I, could, yeah. I yeah. don't think there's any sort of guarantee that they're going to be pounding Ben for 300K every practice he misses. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen, frankly. Um, and, and by the way, interesting fact, I don't mean to interrupt. But um, if he gets traded before his first paycheck comes out, which I don't think is going to be until November, I could be wrong on that. But if he gets traded before, then that fine could disappear with his new team, if assuming that they don't, they s- decide not to follow through on that fine. So, yeah, that and, could all and be also, for nothing. Just like I, I really am at the point where I don't think there's any leverage to be gained. Um, if you're Philadelphia, to keep him into the regular season, if he's not going to play, like, I, I don't think any team is going to get so desperate between now and January that they are willing to meet Daryl Morey where his reported asking price is. Like, I, I think at this point, you just have to trade him uh, when a half decent offer comes along. Um, you obviously don't trade him for, for pennies, but let's go to Portland. We're going to talk about it later. If it is CJ McCollum, in some other stuff like that's that's the kind of deal you have to consider at some point just because we're at the point where where philly's going to lose out pretty much anyway it, it breaks so and and i mean my next question was who do we think has more control over the situation i i feel like we've kind of answered that i mean you pretty much said stevie that you think clutch kind of has this in the bag um it seems lucas that you and i agree with that uh, mm-hmm. but but does anyone have any takes on that I mean, Maury, Maury's not the type of guy that's going to fold underneath the pressure. He's not that type of GM. I mean, he's let things get ugly before. Granted, not with the player of Ben's caliber, uh, but he did let – and I can't remember the player's name, but maybe it was Gerald Green, I'm not sure. But he let some player it get ugly like into the regular season. Um, but overall, I mean, Maury's not going to fold, and he's going to find something, you know, whether it be with Portland, Minnesota – Golden State, maybe if Golden State can find somebody to take great Draymond Green, then that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see for sure. And let's talk about the possibility of, of a Simmons and Blazers u- union here. So, Stevie, let me ask you according to Juna Mizell, and I hope I pronounced that correctly, of the Oregonian. The Blazers are unsure of the fit between Lillard and Simmons, who wants to play a Magic Johnson role. So let me ask you this. How would Simmons and Lillard fit? Because I'm a little skeptical about it myself, to be honest, in some respect. Yeah, that's a great question. So there's a couple of key things to, to, to consider here. Damian Lillard loves having the ball in his hands, and he had the ball in his hands as the main guy, even with CJ McCollum, McCollum averaging 17, you know, between 16 and 20 shot attempts a night, Damian Lillard has the ball in his hands almost all the time when he's on the court. Um, but that was with a different head coach. Terry Stotts is a head coach, doesn't have a lot of nuance in his offense. Terry Stotts is a guy 
that one of his main things is you let he lets the star players, his main players, he lets them have autonomy in the offense and decide the way that they want to play. And you might watch it and and like uh, maybe an X's and O's person who really loves seeing nuance in the offense, they watch the Blazers and see a, a thousand high pick and rolls for Damian Lillard. But then you'd look at the results, which was last year they had one of the greatest offenses of all time. So Damian Lillard loves having the ball in his hands. The difference is Chauncey Billups has said, as the new coach, coming in after eight or nine seasons where you've just been bouncing the first round, even though you've had one of the greatest offenses of all time, Billups is going to change some things. So if there was a potential trade and you still saw someone like Simmons come in, maybe that's a chance for Damian Lillard to play a bit more off ball. So Simmons fit isn't terrible if you consider that they do have to make some changes. There's no doubt that this team um, has you know, a, a championship piece like Lillard but I think that the that the fit that you need to look at is is definitely someone like Simmons for his defensive presence. His defensive presence would always be um, a lot stronger there. But offensively, it would rely on Billups making changes, and those changes would be having to have Lillard off the ball more. There are concerns there in the previous system, but we're seeing a brand new coach for the first time in what's nine seasons now. Look, I I, I agree that if Ben is going to be hard headed about like I'm the point guard, maybe there's some slight issues there, but at some point, like Ben's going to have to adjust, right? We we know he's not the lead ball handler on a championship team. I just don't think that's ever going to be the case. If he has to play with Damian Lillard, there's not much room for him to say, you know, I should have the ball in my hands the whole time because it's Damian Lillard, who's clearly a better player, clearly a better creator in the half court. Like Ben's going to have to get used to playing more off the ball in that setting setting those screens for the Lillard high pick and rolls, rolling to the rim, posting up, stuff like that. Like that, That's just going to have to become part of Ben's game if a trade does land those two on the same team. Um, but, I mean, like, like as far as just shooting-wise, Ben and Joel have always been kind of a funky fit because Ben doesn't space the floor. Damian Lillard spaces the floor as well as anyone on planet Earth. I agree, Stevie, that he, he can play off the ball. There probably aren't too many more dangerous off-ball shooters than Dame if you do choose to use him like that in spots. And like I, I think at some point there's a happy medium where they can both share the ball. Like I, I think you can make it work. I wouldn't have too many concerns about that. I'd maybe have concerns about Yusuf Nurkic's future um, if you trade for Ben, because I don't know if that's the greatest fit of all time. But just like star to star, I think those two would figure it out. Um, I, I think Ben's going to have to adjust. I think Chauncey seems ideally to be the kind of guy who can resonate with players and maybe talk to Ben as a guy who plays a similar position, who has won a championship in the NBA before. If anyone's going to like be able to level with Ben, I guess ideally if you're Portland, it would be Chauncey Billups. Uh, so I, I wouldn't have too many concerns about the fit personally. Yeah, you both bring up some great points. And I believe Chauncey Billups uh, – Famous or infamously said, depending on your point of view, that I'd, I'm not the type of coach that wants to jack up 53-pointers. So that might be good for Ben in that regard. I could see some pick and rolls where Dame setting the pick or Ben setting the pick. But you you could just easily put Larry Nance, who they recently acquired at the center position. We kind of talked to, um, about this off the air, but I like the idea of him like a stretch small ball five. He's more than capable of defending centers. I mean, gosh, you can defend – 
three position, any front court position, really. So I like Larry Nance there and then have Ben at the four. Uh, Ben's a great roller. He's super athletic. He can catch lobs and he's not a strong post-up player, but it's not a weakness of his game either. I like the idea of Ben playing the four in Portland. And I think Lillard is, I mean, when McCollum gets cooking, you can speak to this, Stevie. Dame's more than willing to pass up the ball and just be a perimeter threat, uh, you know, spotting up. Now, he's not great at moving without the ball, but, you know, Chris talked about Chauncey Billups's cachet. If anybody's going to be able to reach Dame, it's, it's somebody of Chauncey's, you know, pedigree in terms of point guard resumes. So I like the fit there. I, You know, there are some problems with who's going to handle one. I think Ben's probably the better one in terms of fast break. But, I mean, you might want to have Ben running to the rim as a lob threat versus, you know, it just depends. It depends on what the numbers are and what you got going on and how the other team's defending it. But I'm sure they could figure it out in the long term. But like Chris said, Nurkic would be my biggest concern there. Um, But let me ask you this. And, you know, you cover this team for fan-sided Stevie. How much should Portland want to pair Simmons with Lillard versus the McCollum – Lillard pairing right now. Yeah, I mean they have to make this move. They have to make this move. The the embarrassment of of being knocked out in the in the first round to a Nuggets team that was missing, um, I think three three of their best guards. They they went out in six, and the worst part was in the in the game six where Damian Lillard had fifty five points. They couldn't get a stop. Other guys couldn't score. Um, they should want to make this deal. I feel for Simmons. A lot of it would be for Simmons' defense. They were ranked 29th uh, last year in defense, and I think 27th the year before. So you can't be a championship team if you if you rank 29th on defense. You know, you you have one of the worst defenses of all time combined with one of the greatest offenses of all time. So they should want to make this move. Um, Simmons can guard the opposition's best player. So if he if he locks in, guards the opposition's best player, um, then you're able to let Simmons Simmons sorry able to let Lillard basically guard the weaker opposition threats and then have to rest a bit more. At the moment, because he's a better defender than McCullum, um, mm-hmm. you're, you're not only saying to him, take 22 shots a night, but also guard the, the second or third best perimeter threat, which for a guy that's 6'2 and is carrying the, the whole championship on his shoulders, it's not it's not a great idea. So they should mm-hmm. want to pair Dame with Simmons because Dame's in his prime right now. He's already said this isn't a championship-ready roster. We, we need to make these moves. They should do it as much for the defense as they do for Simmons' uh, transition ability. And if you looked at the other transition athletes that, that are on the roster, there's a little transition athlete, Anthony Anthony Simons, transition guy, uh, Larry Nance Jr., transition guy. All of a sudden, Greg Brown, the second round pick that they just got. All of a sudden, you look at this and you and Norman Powell, great dunker, transition guy. You look at the rest of the pieces that are there. All of a sudden, the second unit has a transition feel to it. Damian Lillard can maybe look to have more transition threes or or use his pull-up game like that. They need to make this move. Um, and it's not that I'm not a fan of McCullum. I just see too many redundancies between those two skill sets between mm-hmm. Lillard and McCullum. They've tried it for seven, eight seasons. It's time to make a change. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about Philly here coming up, so I don't want to focus on their perspective yet. But from Portland's, I mean... I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, Stevie. I think most everyone would agree that Simmons is still probably 
just broadly speaking, like a tier or a sub tier above CJ as a player. And just fit wise, like you said, there there's a lot of redundancy with Thame and CJ. Uh, obviously, they're a very good team. Like six seed in the West last season well, was a good team. I, I, Portland is not, you know, struggling to win games, but you you need that backbone defender, like you said. I think Ben provides that right away. I mean, again, the guy finished second in defensive player of the year voting, and he's one of the most versatile athletes on planet Earth. Um, I mean, it just seems like a no brainer to me. If you don't have to give up a ton other than CJ. I, it seems like a pretty easy swing to take. Um, you're trying to convince Dame to stay. You have to make some sort of big move here. Um, you know, if Lillard is like, I don't want Ben instead of McCollum, then maybe you don't do it because you're doing whatever Dame wants at this point. Oh, but, Chris, he's already liked a picture on it on Twitter of him and Ben on the in a Blazers uniform. So he definitely wants Ben. Yeah, like if yeah. Dame is cool with it, uh, I don't see any reason not to do it. Um, it just makes too much sense for for Portland. All right, let's let's dive in a little bit to the mechanics of how the Blazers could land Ben Simmons next to Damian Lillard. Obviously, a Simmons McCollum trade has been pretty broadly speculated about to this point, um, but we haven't seen a ton of reports that have specifically talked about those two players being swamped. Um, do you think there's a real chance it happens, Stevie? Do you think Portland is really considering this? We mentioned the report from the Oregonian earlier that some people in the Blazers front office are apparently unsure of the fit. Do you think there's a chance it happens? Do you think it's maybe even likely? What are your thoughts on that? Neil O'Shea uh, is a guy who really likes to run with his guys. He drafted C.G. McCullum. Now, people will say, yes, but he drafted Damian Lillard as well. The scouting work was already done around Damon Lillard and they were going to take him when Neil came into the job. CJ is his guy and I feel like there's a chance and, and I wouldn't count it out, but I just have this inkling that maybe they don't make the trade. I think if you if I was to say what were the chances, I'd say there's only a 30% chance that they trade for Simmons. Um, and it's mainly because they see that, they've, that they have a new coach and O'Shea feels that the new coach can make maybe a bigger impact than what a trade could. Yeah, I would give. I would say there's yeah three out of ten or thirty percent or whatever it is that that would be the chance that I would give that that trade of, of happening. I just feel that O'Shea that yeah he he wants to have CJ there. CJ's his guy. He wants to run that tandem back. CJ and Dame are close friends, but I don't know if that makes a difference because Dame knows what he knows to win a title that. You need to have a guy like Simmons, but whether or not that impairs the ability to to say, "Hey, look, push the button," you know, ring that that when when his management, when Goodwin, and I don't know if they catch, I don't know how they catch up, um, you know, often with the franchise, but but if they were having an open discourse around it, you know, would they say, "Hey, look, you need to go and trade CJ"? I'm not sure if Dame would, um, but maybe if the trade was made, maybe Dame wouldn't complain because they would have a guy like. Like Simmons, so I only see about it being about a thirty percent chance, but that is a chance, and and I think that Blazers fans should still cross their fingers that it gets across the line. Well, let me take this from the Sixers' perspective, um, for sake of argument here. For the Sixers' perspective, 
Daryl Morey has always said, you know, you try to get a super, you know, try to get, you know, you don't downgrade, you try to upgrade. You're not going to be able to upgrade. Damian Lillard's not going to ask out until at least around the trade deadline, and you can't hold on to Ben that long. We've all agreed on that. Bradley Beal's not going to ask out probably no, anytime soon. So your best option is who? Who's the next player that's, you know, possibly on the market that's near all-star level, you know, potential? That's C.J. McCollum. I wrote an article today about how C.J. is being held back by Dame, and I think he could be an all-star if he was the lone perimeter threat on a team. Like uh, Stevie pointed out, him and Dame have a lot of uh, redundancies, and I believe it was Stat Muse that brought up the stats that without Dame in the lineup for his career, CJ has averaged 28 points and six assists in about 33 games on pretty efficient score. Not quite as efficient as he normally is. I think he's like 36% from three-point line versus last season where he was like 40%. But still, the numbers don't lie. That's an all-star in the East. I don't care how bad or how good your team is. 28 points and six assists is an all-star in the East at the point guard position. And I I think he could replicate that with the Sixers. I, I don't think... I mean, maybe not 28, but 25, 26 with Embiid. Sure, why not? I think that that's your best bet if you have a package uh, built around him. And Maury's going to realize, you know, he probably already realizes this. And he's holding out hope for hope. But he's smart enough to know that Dame's not going to ask out. Okay. I I agree with you, Lucas. I agree with you, Stevie, I, I think it's possible. And I think CJ is really, he's one heck of a player. Like, he's a really good player. I do think he can make an all-star team in the East. I agree with that. That said, if we're talking like a Ben-CJ swap that doesn't include a lot going the other way, um, we can maybe talk about the, the specifics in a little bit here. But if it's basically just Ben for CJ, if you're looking at this from Philly's perspective, that leads you with the backcourt of C.J. McCollum, Seth Curry, Danny Green, your best quote-unquote wing defender is, or perimeter defender is Matisse Thibel, and you can't really play more than 20, 25 minutes a night because he can't do anything on offense. Tobias Harris has improved a lot. His effort is always there. He's not a great defender, not really even a good defender. You still have Embiid, who's a defensive player of the year. Embiid is great, and it's really hard to build a bad defense that involves Joel Embiid, but that lineup is pushing it. That lineup is like really... Well, I mean, Chris, I I think we... I don't know if we talked about it on the Slack or if we talked about this off the air on a previous pod, but I think this this is if you trade for a point guard and not get a big wing in return you have Seth come off the bench and you or you know and it's either Maxi or you you know, okay, you start Maxi also a small guard, but 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 no, what I'm saying is you trade Maxi or you not trade Maxi. Sorry, if you get CJ, you bench Seth, you start Matisse, and you pray to God that he's finally figured out his three point shot. Okay, but he probably hasn't, but still, that's 25 minutes of Matisse and Danny Green. And Danny Green's still going to play at least 20 to 28 to 30 minutes a night. You step and I, you I and you can live with that as perimeter defense. You can. I I don't think it would be like a world-ending problem. And if you get, and you know, we'll talk about this in a second, but if you get Robert Covington, bam, that's another wing defender. Uh, But again, like we've already mentioned, Covington does not replicate Ben. No, but neither does Matisse, but you you build those side Matisse is a great on-ball defender. Rocco is not. Okay, but 
but I, okay. my my main point is that McCollum mm-hmm. really leaves a hole in the defense. So that's all I mean. But about. you you finally get to run a normal NBA offense, and that's McCollum. fine. But and, if you and, don't have a top ten defense, that takes you out, like like there are things the way here. But my I mean, main point is that mm-hmm. I'm not sure CJ is like the best possible route for Philly to go here. We obviously don't know what other teams are offering, but and I don't know if Toronto does this. So just bear with me. If if you could, even if there's nothing else involved, if it's just straight up OG Ananobi and Fred Van Vliet with nothing else for Ben, I don't know if they do that. They probably, oh. Oh. I'd take that over CJ. That's a tough one, Chris. That's a really tough one. Every day of the week, I take that over CJ. That's a tough one. CJ, the OG. I don't think they do that though, Chris. Because who's their point? If they would have drafted Jalen Suggs, then yeah, I could see them doing that. But no, they didn't. They got the kid from Florida State, but they didn't get Jalen Suggs. So this move, I don't see happening. Because who they gonna? I mean, they're not gonna start Ben at point guard. They Masai Ujiri knows better than that. He knows better. I'm just throwing out hypotheticals. I, don't I, I know, know. CJ I is know. the best option. I don't. I mean, there's. You could make an argument that other teams could make better. I mean, hey. I mean, you could make the argument. Oh, what if the Spurs throw together uh, Keldon Johnson and Keldon Johnson DeJong. and Derek White? Well, I would Probably say actually Murray. I, I I would say Murray, but you know, we me and you can argue that for days. Yeah, um, but yeah, point point. Let's get let's stay on Portland though. Because we are, we do have a Portland site expert. <laughs> yeah, here. yeah. Um, but my main broad point here is, I, I, I think the defense becomes a big concern if that's the core of the trade. Um, so, so let's talk about that, Stevie. What, what do you think it would take to make a McCollum Simmons trade happen? Do you think it's just like one for one, straight up? Do you think Simmons' value has dropped to that point? Do you think it would take more from Philly's side or more from Portland's side? How much more? What, what is your feel for that? I think a first round pick is the bare, is the bare minimum that that Portland would have to send. I'm not sure about that. What that means with the protections around the Chicago pick, the Chicago pick that recently went out in the Nance trade, you'd have to make some changes there. Um, but I feel like a first round pick would be would be the the bare minimum, and then maybe a young player. If I was Philly, what I'd look to do because Seth Curry is a bad fit with CJ McCollum, and you needed another defender, is that I would potentially because you have to make the salaries match what I would do is potentially reroute Seth Curry to another market and bring someone else back. I feel the young guards that, that Philly has coming off the bench could supplement them. If And and maybe, look, maybe Matisse Thibault isn't a great fit um, starting next to McCullum because of his offense, but McCullum's fit with Embiid is so good, I feel that would trump that. What I would do is I would look to move Seth Curry either back to the Blazers and bring back, maybe bring back Covington. Maybe it could be off the bench. He's not a great... He is a good help defender, but maybe you start Tybal. But I think rerouting Seth Curry to another team and bringing another defender would be the best way. If, you, if you're if you purely thinking about it not from fit and just making the trade and then looking to make a Seth Curry trade after, then I would say it's probably Nazir Little, a first, and McCullum. Like that would, I think that would be a package that would potentially get it done. Little is someone that probably not a lot of people outside of Blazers or hardcore NBA fans have heard of. But Little was a guy who can play some defense on the bench at the three. Even though he's only 6'5", he's got a 6'9", 6'10", wingspan. He would be a really nice fit as a bench defender and and potentially make that change. The the Seth Curry thing is tough, but I feel like his value only being paid around $8 million and you consider his playoff performances. Um, and you know if he'd been a free agent at other times, he probably gets $15, $18 million a year. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that can be worked out. I love the fit with CJ and Embiid, and I think that's the main thing you have to consider and then try and make the defense work around that by rerouting Curry somewhere else uh, because his 8 million salary means you can either bring back 6 or you can bring back up to 11 or 12 million. Yeah, you make, you make a good point there. I never really thought of trading Curry because he just seems so essential to floor spacing, but we do have some nice young shooters on the roster. Um, what I would ask for if I was if I was Philly, is that I think you could do a trade with Ben and Shake Milton and then receive back, and I don't know if the money works on this because I haven't thrown it in the trade machine, but this is just off the top of my head. You get McCollum, Rocco, and Nazir Little plus a first. I think that that's that's a fair trade. You get get some more guard depth with Milton, who – despite his playoff woes and his inconsistency last year is was able to score 13 points on pretty efficient shooting overall. I agree. I, I think like McCollum Rocco and a first is a pretty reasonable deal. If you're Philly, uh, I don't know if you're getting much more anywhere else. I, as much as I've been saying, you know, Rocco isn't Ben Rocco doesn't replicate Ben like Rocco is a tremendous guy to have on your defense, um, whether he's coming off the bench for 25 minutes a night if he's starting next to Tobias which maybe isn't the best setup ever but Rocco's a really good player um I do think whether it's trading Seth whether it's doing something else you have to bring in another like good solid on-ball defender maybe play the two guard the three somewhere you, you have to make a sub you know some other move to to sweeten the pot uh, if you feel like just because I don't think the defense works again but look I, I, I think that's pretty much what everyone's been throwing out at this point is like McCollum, Rocco and a, a first or something along those lines that seems to be the consensus Larry Nance is there now he could maybe be someone that Portland tries to shoehorn in there instead of Rocco I think Portland would probably want to hold on to Covington pretty tightly I think him and Ben fit really well together defensively and offensively just because Rocco is there to chuck long threes and he's probably their third best player fourth best player depending on how you view Nurkic and um, Norman Powell like like he's pretty high up there on the hierarchy in Portland right now in my opinion uh, just because he is so good defensively off the ball as a help guy the weak side rim protector we, we all know in Philly what he does too um, so I don't know if Portland would be like super eager to trade Covington, but if, if it comes down to that, as we've said, I think Portland has a pretty strong motivation to make this trade. I don't know if the front office does, but they should, they, they should have a strong motivation to make this trade. So I, I think that's a pretty fair package. And, and by the way, I checked my trade. Yeah. Shake and Ben for little Covington and McCollum does work in the trade machine. We're going to talk about Damian Lillard now. Now, obviously, the big uh, buzz around Portland this offseason, Stevie, was, you know, Damian Lillard, for the first time in his tenure, has not been happy with the direction of the Portland Trailblazers and has seriously considered his future with the team. And so now we have to ask, will he demand a trade? And if so, how long does Portland have to prove that they can compete at a high level? Great question. So looking at his camp, and there's someone else I follow there quite closely, um, it's his... It's not his agent, but it's a guy that works in his agency. Basically, what he does is he's like his media manager. and uh, His name's Nate Jones, and you see him on Twitter. And just following along and 
and looking at the tone and sort of what he this guy talks about in terms of other players and reading the room around um, the way that Dame is and just all the things that go into what I think would have to come to to him um, forcing a trade is that other guys get get unhappier a lot sooner than Dame does. Um, and basically, if you look at the way that Dame is, I don't think he would force a trade until next next season. But if they did crash and burn, they didn't do everything within their power to upgrade the team, then he would definitely force a trade. It's not going to be at this deadline. I just don't think that's just not the way that mm-hmm. he is. Just got married in Portland last night. You know, he's he is in there unless they really, really mess up. So for me, I feel that he's not going to d- demand a trade until next season. Um, and if he did, he would be very choosy about where he went just because he doesn't want to go somewhere for one year. He would want to go somewhere where he was going to finish his career. And if he did go, if he did was to be moved, it would have to be somewhere where I feel he felt like he was going to win a title because that would be the reason that he would want to force his way out. We can kind of lump him in with Bradley Beal as these guys that every Sixer fan is going to talk about and dream about and write about and think about. But they're very clearly two guys who are loyal to the cities that they're in, who very much want to be in the cities that they're in right now. Um, it's fair, I think, to question whether Neil O'Shea is going to do everything possible to build a contender around Lillard. Um, we talked about earlier, Stevie, you mentioned how he might you know, show some favoritism to CJ, who's his guy, and maybe not want to make a big trade like that. Um, he said directly after the playoffs last season that, he didn't think it was a roster issue. So I think it's fair to say, like, maybe Neil O'Shea isn't going to make all the moves that he needs to try to make. But, like, Portland was a very good team last season. A historically good offense, as you said, Stevie. They're not going to miss the playoffs this year. They're probably, they may even be, like, in the running for home court advantage. Like, that's within reach for them, especially if Nurkic is healthy, if Covington is healthy, if Nance comes in and is healthy. Larry Nance is a really underrated player. Um, who helps a lot defensively with that second unit. So I, I, I think Portland has gotten a little bit better on the margins. And I, I, I agree, unless they crash and burn with Chauncey Billups, who may or may not be a good coach, I, I, I think he's at least going to stay through the season. Um, he wasn't Dame's first choice. Uh, I mean, we can say he wasn't, but like the reports before that were that he wanted Chauncey Billups, like, well, no, his, the first report was he wanted Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd said, nah, Yeah, I'm good. but, I mean, Billups was right up there. I, I, I really don't think Lillard was, like, begging for Becky Hammond. Um, so. She just needs a chance on a rebuilding team. That's that's her best bet. Yeah, I, I don't buy the stuff that Lillard or Camp or whoever was putting out that, like, Billups wasn't a guy that was on his list. I, I just don't buy that. Uh, you might have... I, I, th- I think that was maybe just a little bit of crowd control after the whole entire drama with Billups was revealed. Not yeah. drama, but incident, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, unless you have anything to add to that, Stevie, I think we're pretty much in agreement that he's going to stick through the season. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and I said earlier the trade deadline is at least bare minimum, but I think it's more likely that he'll wait until next season as well. So let's move on to our next question, guys. And if he does demand a trade and the Sixers have already traded Simmons, does that take them out of the running, or will young players and picks be more enticing to Portland, Stevie? That's a million-dollar question. And the, the tough thing is that the old adage, which is 
small guards don't age well is always true. Now take that away from from Lillard. Think about McCullum. McCullum's had, I think he had two broken feet in, um, sorry, two, two, one of his his foot got broken twice, I think, in, in college. Uh, and then he had a had broken foot again last year in the same foot. Uh, aside from that, he's been healthy, but these guys' bodies break down quicker. Now at the end of next year, when I think McCullum would be 30, if, if mm-hmm. Lillard was going to demand a trade, then you're talking about building around CJ. And I don't think, I don't think that that would be terrible. You know, I think that, with the right pieces, if you still had these other young guys there, then you could probably rebuild on the fly. But is he the guy that you want to fully rebuild around? I think that if they were going to trade Lillard, they would have to, if he forced a trade, they would have to bring back a, a green chip young player. Now, I haven't even thought or considered what that would be. But when you look at the types of guys like, Jalen Brown is someone that comes to mind. I'm not saying that that would get the deal done, but that would be the type of player that you would bring back. Now, Philly has some studs, don't get me wrong, you know, but is there anyone on the roster there that would get that done? The only thing would be if they decided, right, Neil O'Shea, you've messed up enough, you're out, you know, you're, you're done, you haven't been able to surround Damien Lillard, then maybe the offer is give us every single first-round pick, give us the... Uh, full on rebuild yeah full on rebuild and give us the James Harden type package in return where you're giving away every single first round pick that the Sixers have and then you're going to give us your two best young players that may not be blue chips like Jalen Brown give us your two best young players and then give salary matching back now obviously the salary matching makes makes things difficult it basically means you have to give up Tobias Um, and and obviously that you would do that in the the Sixers would do that in the Damon Lillard trade. But the, the hard part is that usually, like if you think about the Celtics, you by giving away Brown, you don't have to include another asset because he's making a similar salary. It makes the salaries mm-hmm. work. So it wouldn't be impossible for the Sixers, but I feel that sending a, a 30-year-old back maybe means that that, that Philly wouldn't have the best um, chance of getting, of getting Lillard. But I don't see any reason why if you have all your first round picks moving forward, you have these other young guys. It would just depend though, and this is the thing, um, Neil O'Shea and the Blazers have done it on the flight. They did it when LaMarcus left. They did it when they had to blow up the Wesley Matthews, Robin Lopez type squad. They've continued to re- rebuild on the flight. And I've been in the room and I did a conference a couple of years ago when Neil O'Shea talked about retooling and, and continuing to keep um, the roster going. If, they're, if they're, there's two things, it would depend on, am I going to keep this team going? Are we just going to retool on the fly and stay around that 40 to 50 win mark? Or are we going to go into full rebuild mode? Then we'll just take a bunch of picks. We'll just take the best overall package rather than looking for someone to keep us going because why, if we're going to retool, are we going to do it around two 30-year-old players? Hey, Chris, well, let, me, let me ask you before you get started. Are you going to bring up Golden State? Yeah, I want to bring okay. up – I just want to ask – both of you a question just mm-hmm. a quick answer off the top of the head if it's not portland name a team that you think is most likely to get ben just name a team give me tyrese maxi and the tyrese halliburton and buddy heel we can start talking okay so let, let's say you trade ben for halliburton healed harrison barnes whoever it is in, in a couple picks probably let's marvin back the... they probably want you to take on marvin bagley too okay let's say let's say that's the trade do we think Someone like Tyrese Halliburton, 
perks up Portland's ears because he, he's maybe not a star right now, but he's pretty good. Um, let's say it's Golden State. Let's say you get Wiseman and Kaminga in a pick or two. Does that maybe, you know, get I, I think Golden there? State's would be much more interesting than uh, Sacramento's. Yeah, I definitely think you'd have to factor in whatever they get back for Ben because yeah. I think that's something they would pretty happily reroute for Lillard. Um, yeah. That's, so really, I, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you, Chris. That's why I asked you if you were going to bring up Golden State because I was thinking the exact same thing as well. Last question here on this topic here, Stevie. Um, do you think that Lillard and Embiid can coexist, and how would they do so? I think so. I think that these guys are professionals, and they would they would make they would make this shit work. Basically, you know, they they just would. And I know both guys need the ball in their hands, but what better player to have for each other than? Can you imagine the best? post presence in the game with the best deep shooter in the game. Now I know Steph Curry is the best shooter in the game. I'd say that Lillard is probably a second, but the difference is that Lillard as the best, I would say as the best shooter off the dribble and then the best shooter from depth. If you looked at the last couple of seasons and then Embiid has the best post presence, Embiid's passing, um, him getting the elite spacing Embiid's ability, sorry, Lillard's ability to operate in the pick and roll. This year, you saw that Lillard's um, pick and roll passing had continued to come on. And even Enes Kanter, I know Enes Kanter, not a great defensive guy, doesn't stretch the floor at all, but a great finisher in the pick and roll. He, um, Lillard was just diming him up and making him look great. Embiid, Lillard pick and roll would be crazy. And you know that Embiid's, you saw his efficiency going up this year as a shooter. You know that, it, that his pick and pop game is going to continue to come on. Um, defensive fit isn't the best, but you know I feel that that could be sorted in terms of maybe if you had Embiid and Lillard there, that would in my eyes be probably a top five offense in the league, if not top three or or the best. Um, and then you just go and put defensive pieces around them. You, you wouldn't be worrying any more about fit if you put those together because of how crazy the offense is, and of course you've got the rim protector there, which is Embiid. I feel they would work it out. Um, Lillard has a bit more of a chance to to play a little bit more off ball because at the end of the day, he's got four, I think it's four years left now on a Supermax contract, which has 200 billion left. He's not going to be able to continue. Maybe he's got this year and next year and maybe one more left at that superstar level. He doesn't want to stay on, he doesn't want to be on ball when he's 35. He will want to have the ball in his hands a bit, but I taking my pull and trailblazers, you know, riding for Lillard forever, taking my hat off, that is a that is a really good fit, I feel, between those two. I I mean I, I agree completely. Any pretty much any time you can put two top ten players on the same team, you should do it. Um even if the fit isn't great. But I mean, you mentioned it, C V Lillard, one of the best shooters, if not the best shooter on the planet, Embiid is a guy who has always thrived when placed around with shooters placed around him. That's always been the best a path to an elite offense with Joel. You don't want guys who you can double off of easily. If anything, guys are going to be doubling Damian Lillard, so it, it really helps. Um, uh, Joel has never been used much in the pick and roll because the Sixers have never had a pick and roll guard outside of Jimmy Butler for half a season, and I, I think that's something that Joel could thrive in if, if used that way. 
like like the two man action with Joel handing off to Lillard at the top of the key. I mean, that's that's just pretty much impossible to guard. Um, like I can talk about the defense being an issue with CJ. If you get Dame, I, I really don't care at that point. Um, yeah, it, it's that's a championship level duo. That's immediately a championship level team, and you you do whatever you can to make it happen. I have nothing else to say. You guys hit it on the head there. Um, doesn't matter defensively, offensively, they're going to be hard to stop, if not impossible. J.J. Redick and Joel Embiid's dribble handoff was almost impossible to guard a couple of seasons ago, and then you're replacing J.J. with Dame. Yeah, you're not stopping that. Uh, I don't really like Joel as a roller. The limited you know, times that he has been one, he's not a great finisher off the roll. I like him more as a pick-and-pop type guy, but that's fine because he's developed a mid-range and three-point shot, so it doesn't matter. Either way, like you're going to be good. And so, and you know, Tobias Harris is a great roller in the pick-and-roll too, so you know, I, I like the fit. The fit's there. The fit's there. I like it. Do it, Portland, please. Please make Damian upset. Sorry, Stevie. No, no offense. <laughs> Let's go ahead and switch gears, and Uriah, you're going to take it over. All right, everybody. The social media question of the week. Uh, we're going to drag some emotions through the mud, and uh, we're living through one of those situations right now. There's three options. Which situation gets you more upset? A, Markel Fultz forgetting how to shoot and being traded for less value. B, Ben Simmons refusing to shoot and holding the team hostage currently, and see Andrew Bynum hurting his knee while bowling and never playing for the Sixers. So out of 466 votes, the majority of the people picked the current situation. 56% of the people on Twitter said that Ben Simmons refusing to shoot and holding the team hostage. Second place was Markel Fultz for getting out of shoot. And in third place, we have Andrew Bynum hurting his knee while bowling. So, Chris, which one of those three options gets you more frustrated? Um, you know, I, I don't. The Marco Fultz situation didn't. It never made me upset. I, I mean, were there points where it was a bit annoying, where things maybe weren't handled well by either side? Sure, but I don't know if I was upset. I think Markel clearly had some some injury issues. I, I don't think it was his fault that he forgot how to shoot. So I, I, I can't really see being upset at Markel. I I wasn't here for the Bynum thing. I had no <laughs> connection to Philly at the time of Andrew Bynum's presence there. So I, I, I remember. <laughs> I have nothing to say about that. Um, and even the Ben Simmons thing, am I upset? I, it's really, again, I'm. it's really annoying. It kind of irritates me at times, but I'm not like pissed off or anything. So I don't know. I, I really don't think any of them get me upset. I don't know if that's the word I would use. Wait a minute. So Luke, I might the, only, to... the only type of thing that Chris will get upset about is beatball Paul or Poku slander. But wait, yeah, let's, let's if, be if, clear if, on that. Chris did drop like... a, a profanity in a podcast because of Ben Simmons. I'm just that's that. true. That's true. You <laughs> did, Chris. We had to bleep it out. If Option D was Doc Rivers starting Danny Green on Trey Young in game one of the oh, second round. For that would half. be my answer. For, For a, a half, half, Chris. Come on. He yeah, a half that probably cost them the series, but whatever. Uh, it's all good. No, Ben Simmons cost them the series. But anyway. What about you, Lucas? Sure. Well, I agree with Chris that Markel was been reported that he was hurt. He didn't forget. He got hurt. So that that's 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 a whole different thing. 
I don't blame Markel. I feel bad for him, if anything, because you're you were, you know, put some, and we've seen flashes of what Markel can be. You know, hopefully he comes back from this ACL tear, you know, and he actually remembered how to shoot again. Who knows? And then with Andrew Bynum, I do remember that. That was a little that was annoying and frustrating at the time. But looking back at it, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It put the Sixers into the rebuild, which allowed them to get you well. So, you know, in the long term, you know, it was okay. Um, and honestly, even with Andrew Bynum, that team was not going to be an Eastern Conference Finals team. Uh, it wasn't. I don't no. think so. I don't know. They had some nice. I, I don't. I think the max ceiling was Eastern Conference Finals. They weren't an NBA Finals team. But with Joel, you actually have the potential to do that. So the Simmons um, situation. That's... So the, yeah, it's definitely the Simmons situation for me because it's not only a fear of uh, unwillingness to shoot because we know you can. We've seen you do it plenty of times. You're teasing us now. Oh gosh, and... guys, we've seen Dwight Howard hit threes in an open. Okay, gym. come on. Like, but, but my point, yeah, but my point Howard's is, is that, but but but. Yeah, and here's the thing. He is posting. Them. All right, we've once. seen the video. Yeah. Once. Okay, but but okay. Point point being is that we don't expect <laughs> White Howard to take three pointers because he's not the beat lead ball handler for a playoff team. Ben is, and the other thing is that that he's so arrogant that he's not admitting to his shortcomings, and that's I think that what what's really gotten the fan base upset is that he's so arrogant that he can't see where he messed up. Markel, we've you know we've we didn't bash him for it and he said that he had to get better cool andrew bynum he admitted that he messed up by playing bowling Not at you but we you know at least you apologize ben's not apologizing for it that's the issue here and that's why i'm most upset about it because he's he's not accepting responsibility here yeah uh stevie man thanks for coming on the pod we really enjoyed having you if you want to let our followers know where they can follow you where they can read your work all that good, good stuff uh you know let them have it Appreciate you guys. Really, really good chats. You can find me at Stevie Cousins on Twitter, S-T-E-V-I-E-C-O-Z-E-N-S, and then also at Rip City Project. Uh, yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. It was a really great chat. Wishing you all the best for the season personally. Hope you enjoy it, and then, yeah, keep doing the awesome things that you guys do over there. Thanks, man. Really yeah, appreciate we, it. Yeah, we appreciate it. We'll have to have you uh, back on when the Lillard trade comes through, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Stevie, thanks, man. We, we really do appreciate it. And to all our listeners, as always, thanks you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. As always, we would really appreciate it if you like, subscribe, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen on our website, thesixersense.com. You can also read our work there. You can follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. And until later this week, I hope you all have a good one. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.